2: It's time to lock in. This is the FCS Fever Podcast, where we turn up the heat on FCS football. Available wherever you get your podcasts. The FCS Fever Podcast is presented by Betfred Sports and part of the Aaron Torres media feed. Glad you're with us, I'm Chris Sylvester, and this is our week 5 recap show. Some upsets, some good finishes, none better than what we saw in the CAA on Saturday. Elon in double overtime beats Richmond. Phoenix Head Football Coach Tristan Trischiani joins us, and before we dive into all that, we'd like to remind you as always The FCS Fever podcast is presented by Betfred Sports. When you play in the Betfred Sportsbook, no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus. And the good news is they'll be putting out lines for FCS games all season long. Betfred Sports committed to being the best book anywhere for fans of FCS football, one of Europe's biggest sportsbooks. They started all the way back in 1967. Fred Dunn got going back in the day. They're now in the U.S. They've hit the market in a big way. Official betting partners of the Broncos, the Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. They're currently licensed in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Louisiana, Washington, and soon Ohio. Sign up today. Place a $50 bet this weekend, and Betfred will give you a bonus $250 for betting. Nobody does more for their betters than Betfred Sports. And if you want to tell somebody who's hot, it, it's me. I mean, pull up the proof if need be. When we do our preview shows, we drop our top five hottest matchups. And last week, I went perfect. It, 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 probably the first time this year I hit five of five. Just saying. I mean, Holy Cross, we said they'd be tested at Harvard, but they'd win the game. And Holy Cross did, in fact, come out on top in a game where they were tested through three quarters or so. We called the upset in the Missouri Valley. Missouri State went to North Dakota over the weekend. And now, did I think the Fighting Hawks would put 48 on them and beat the Bears by 17 points? No. But, man, was that a statement showing from Bubba Schweigert's bunch Tommy Schuster and company, they put it on Missouri State in the second half, and it's the second straight week where Missouri State gets shut out in a quarter coming out of halftime. Missouri State, this was a close game at the half. In fact, they had a one-point lead at the break, 21-20 on the road at North Dakota. The Fighting Hawks erupt in the third and fourth quarters, outscore Missouri State 28-10. Win the game 48-31. Missouri State didn't know what hit him in the third quarter. Didn't score any points. Tommy Schuster, 22-29, 267. Two touchdowns for the Fighting Hawks. Tyler Hoosman, 16 carries, a buck 47, a touchdown. Isaiah Smith, we told you he'd have to be good. Well, how about 10 yards per carry good? Eight carries, 78 yards. He ran in a touchdown. Look, offense wasn't a problem for... Missouri State, I mean, they put up 31 points. If you were to tell me that Missouri State, going into this game, puts up 31 points, I'd tell you W. I'd tell you win. Jason Shelley threw for 271 yards, three touchdowns. Jacardia Wright, 12 carries, 97 yards. I mean, they ran for 120 yards. They threw for almost 300 yards. But all of a sudden... Defense has become an issue for Missouri State, and that's now three straight losses for Missouri State. And, and, you know, let's give credit where credit's due. I've been a fan of North Dakota since they nearly shocked Nebraska way back in week one. Anytime you think North Dakota's not going to have a good year, they have a good year, or at least it feels that way, right? They opened up Missouri Valley play before anybody else week two. They beat Northern Iowa. They went to Northern Arizona. Won a close game out there. An expected setback against Southern Illinois the week after the Salukis beat Northwestern on the road. And just an absolute statement of a game in Grand Forks this past weekend, 48-31 over Missouri State. I'm going to tell you why, and it might sound ridiculous, right? Because Missouri State, they were the seventh-ranked team in the country coming into the game. North Dakota was not ranked. I, I think North Dakota is top 25 good, in the FCS, no shame in losing at Nebraska, no shame in losing to a red-hot Southern Illinois bunch. At 3-2, and two, that was a must-win game because you look at the road ahead for North Dakota, they go to Youngstown State. I think that's a game they should get, but Youngstown State fought very hard, looked really good in Fargo this past weekend. And I don't know if that's a cause for concern around NDSU. Is, is there a reason to be worried about the Bison offense? Because I haven't been all that impressed following the Arizona loss. But North Dakota, they'll be favored when they go to Youngstown, Ohio this weekend. But then, they host South Dakota State. They have a late season non-conference game against a really good Abilene Christian team. They go to Indiana State. That should be a win. And then they close out the year hosting South Dakota. Who knows what type of shape South Dakota will be in by then. They're 1-3 right now. They face South Dakota State this weekend. They could be well out of contention. That could be a lopsided win for North Dakota, winning if we get there. And then they close the season in Fargo against North Dakota State. The Fighting Hawks can only afford two more losses this year to get into the FCS playoffs. And I'm looking at three, maybe four games in the remaining schedule that they might not be favored in or just might not win. Big win for North Dakota. As for Missouri State, and they got off to a great start. They won on the the purple-silver turf at Central Arkansas week one and then had that terrific Thursday night matchup when the NFL opened against 14th-ranked UT Martin in week two, and they snuck out a win, avenged the playoff loss from a season ago, and then they put together those great two, three quarters at Arkansas. And that's what I thought, wow. you know, Even though Arkansas came back and predictably won the game, that's when I thought, wow, Bobby Petrino's group. I mean, they took a huge leap, a rather unexpected leap last year. I, I think they're ready to compete for a Missouri Valley title this year. It just didn't happen. The week after, South Dakota State, their defense made it really tough for Missouri State. They lose by two touchdowns. And now they, they suffer their worst loss of the year this past weekend at North Dakota, 17-point loss. On Saturday in Grand Forks. And you start to look at the road ahead for Missouri State. And they're facing arguably the hottest team in the Missouri Valley right now in Southern Illinois. albeit be a home game this weekend. Then they go to the Unidome. And they finish Western Illinois at South Dakota. Against Youngstown State at home. Against Indiana State. I'll say it. I think it's a must win for Missouri State this weekend. We'll have more on that in our preview show. Southern Illinois is hot. That's not going to be an easy game for Bobby Petrino and the Bears. I think there is some cause for concern surrounding Missouri State. Another matchup we listed was the national TV game in the Big Sky. Fourth-ranked Montana State hosting UC Davis. That game was on ESPNU. We thought Montana State would take care of business, and they did. Sean Chambers was the national player of the week. He passed for 227. He ran for 203, and he combined for five touchdowns between the throwing and the running. Remember, he's in there. And look, he's been getting reps and packages since the jump. But he's primarily in there as the guy right now because of the injury to Tommy Mallott. And after seeing what he was able to do in a 41-24 win over a good Davis team, good Davis defense over the weekend in uh, in Bozeman, rather, I think, there's a quarterback controversy again with Montana State. How, how could you take Sean Chambers out when he just did that to, to a top Big Sky defense? And it's seemingly been this way for years. It's, it's not just the last two years with uh, the, the McKay and Malat saga last year and now the Malat-Chambers thing this year. And, hey, maybe they could take a page out of Troy Taylor at Sac State's playbook and make everybody happy and have a two-quarterback system that works. I think that's a real possibility for Montana State. Not a whole lot of coaches like to do it, as the old saying goes. You have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Sac State they have debunked that the last two years, but Montana State's loaded. They got options. I mean, it really feels like there's there's been this you know openness at quarterback with injury since the you know Jeff Choate took over that program when Troy Anderson was there. You know, Tucker Rovick came in, played well for a while. There's seemingly been a revolving door at quarterback, and it just doesn't really seem to matter who's back there from Montana State. Like, they're going to get the job done. They're going to excel. Just the way that offense is built, really impressed by the Bobcats. They still have some things to figure out on defense, but, boy, they are deep playoff run. They are Frisco good again this season. Brawl of the Wild Rivals, Montana. They were at Idaho State. Big 33-and-a-half-point favorites over the weekend. Won that game by eight. I'm not worried. Idaho State, they're, they're tough to play inside Holt Arena. We alluded to Sac State in that terrific two-quarterback system. They put up 49 more points this week in a road win at Cal Poly. They are now 4-0. and Cameron Skadaboo had a chance to see him in person. Though. I was on the call for that game. Ridiculous. I mean he <laughs> like you know there are running backs that welcome contact I I think he he wants to be touched every time he gets the football He had three touchdowns two on the ground caught one two quarterback system is just money put up almost 600 yards of total offense and, and what's what's so impressive about Sacramento State they haven't trailed at all through their first 4 games and they've played their last 3 on the road Not once have they been looking at the scoreboard trying to climb out of a deficit. I I wouldn't want to be in charge of making Big Sky power rankings because between the Montana schools and Sac State and Weber State early in the season, I mean, you you could make a case for for all four of those teams to be the best in the Big Sky. The Big Sky at the top, right up there with the CAA in terms of parity and who might win the conference. I have a feeling somebody's going to share a title again. Here's a team that, that could could maybe steal a playoff bid. Idaho, 55-35. They beat Northern Colorado. They are now 2-0 and in the conference. Jason Eck has just immediately. Quick transition there. Remember, I we, we started kind of figuring out that Idaho was going to be better when they competed at Washington State, competed at Indiana out of the chute. Now three straight wins for Idaho. They're going into a bye week, and what a great time to have a bye week. Or maybe not. I mean, you you win three straight games, you want to keep the momentum going. But I I say great time for a bye week because Montana's on the docket next. Two weeks from now. I think we'll learn a little more about Idaho when we get there. But bottom line is big sky, a lot of fun. Really excited about it. In the SoCon, our next to hottest matchup of the week. It was our our number two on our top five list last week. It was Samford on the road at Furman. Furman jumps out to a 10-0 lead in this game. And here come them Bulldogs. 20 points in the second, 14 points in the third. Samford built as large as a 17-point lead in the second half they hold on they beat Furman on the road. Samford is four and one. they are two and0 in conference play. they drop Furman to three and two and the Paladins their first FCS loss of the year. Michael Hears continues to slice and dice opposing defenses 29 to 38, 228 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Thomas led a rushing attack. How about an efficient day for him? five carries. Bucko four on the ground, three tubs, more than 20 yards a carry. Have a day. Jalen Thomas, Samford is legit. We kind of knew that out of the shoot when they beat Kennesaw State early in the season. They were an underdog in that game. I took them, and they got the job done. But the matchup we dubbed as the hottest in Week 5 here on FCS Fever actually lived up to it. In the Colonial Richmond visited Elon, two teams who had only suffered defeats against FBS programs through September. Now, both defenses really showed out here. 17-14 Richmond will take you late in that game. Fourth quarter, Spiders have a chance with a stop to win the game, but Matthew McKay, he's proven it time and time again at this level. You give him a chance to win a football game He will. Nine plays, 71 yards in just over a minute. Sets up a game-tying field goal. 17-17. End of regulation. I mean, we did tell you this was the best matchup of the weekend in the FCS. And it was the best game of the weekend. Elon with the ball first in overtime. One play. Matthew McKay connects from the 25. Puts Elon on top. Now the Phoenix to stop away, but Richmond, the Spiders... The raid wasn't working. They wouldn't go away. It took them just three plays. They find pay dirt. So in the second overtime, Richmond has possession first. Elon defense really rose to the occasion. They sent them backwards in four plays. Richmond hits a field goal. You're still following? At this point, it's 27-24 Spiders. But this night belonged to the Phoenix. Hampton in the backfield with
0: McKay. The snap, handoff given a hit
1: Jamie's got a fake touchdown,
0: Elon went. They gave Jamon the
1: ball. I promise you, I wasn't trying to force Shannon last Saturday, partner. But
2: Hampton, who closed the deal in Williamsburg, sends them home happy on a Saturday afternoon. That courtesy of Elon Sports Vision. Jalen Hampton rumbles in from 11 yards out. And Elon, showing no signs of arachnophobia, prevails in two overtimes at home. 30-27 over Richmond. We told you this one was going to be hot and heavy. An absolute doozy in the Colonial. And with the win, Elon elevated its status further. Now ranked 14th in the country.
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary.
1: were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: What a weekend it was for the Elon Phoenix. Head coach Tony Trisciani joins us on FCS Fever. Coach, thanks for taking some time. Have you been able to catch your breath since that thriller?
0: <laughs> for sure. It, uh, it's it been good, Chris. We. Um... What a game it was and it was parent and family weekend here and it was you know one of those where with the with the hurricane coming through we were kind of preparing for the for the worst but hoping for the best and we got the best. the sun ended up coming out had a great crowd and the game was everything you know you'd expect it to be with you know two top 25 CAA teams against each other. Uh, it was a thriller. We've turned the page since <laughs> on to thousand now, but uh, that was a thriller for us on Saturday.
2: Hey, hey, well, what can you say about the resilience your bunch has shown here in 2022? I mean, a few weeks ago, you trail at halftime to Gardner-Webb, shut them out in the second half. You win that game. Then you go to mm-hmm. William and & Mary, and we, we all know how good William & Mary has been out of the gate. And a well-coached team, yep. a lot of young talent there. Everything seems to be clicking. You go to their place mm-hmm. in the conference opener You trail by 18 at the half. I'd be interested in knowing what you said to your team at halftime because you come all the way back. You win that game on the road. And then, of course, this past weekend, you get a late field goal in regulation and you win a double overtime.
0: Right. So we've we've played some some very good second halves this year. You know, even if you go back to the Vanderbilt game, we outscored them in the last three quarters of the game um, and certainly in the second half. And so. Um, our guys, it's a it's a real determined and hungry group, and so you know we get through some adjustments perhaps at halftime, and it's like they're like banging the door down to get back out there. It seems every week, and and we were losing, we were down at the half when we hosted Gardner Webb, you know, um, a good Gardner Webb team that just came off a win against Coastal Carolina, or I'm sorry, a close loss to Coastal Carolina the week before. Um, you know, in a one-score game. And so we've had to fight our way back in the second half. And uh, it's just a real resilient group that we've got. They've got a lot of grit, a lot of fight in them. They believe in each other. You know, that's how you come back and, and win those kind of football games. Um, this game was different than that. It, you know, it wasn't the comeback. You know, we go in tied at the half. Uh, but this is a valuable experience for our football team, being in a in a close football game the whole time. It was a one-score game all day. So every possession matters, every drive, every special teams rep, um, you know, felt like the game was on the line. So it was a great experience for our guys.
2: Tony Trishiani, Elon head football coach, our guest on FCS Fever. Phoenix up to 14 in the polls this week. And look, there's a long way to go. The work is just starting but you took this program over in 2019 and anybody knows it takes time to build a program into a winner you got close last year at 6 and 5 after two seasons just under 500 what's clicked for you and your staff here in 2022 that's led to this turning of the corner
0: yeah we've it, it's taken some time to rebuild some position groups here it, you know if you if you go back to when the rebuild happened. It it really started in 17. Um, Or you could even go before that. Rich Skrowski took over um, and Rich, Rich and I coached here together in 2006 under Pete Lembo, And, and I returned in 2017 with Kurt Signetti and, you know, Rich had had some players in the building. Um, Kurt brought in a, a mentality and a toughness and a blueprint. Um, and really got the kids believing and playing hard and competing, and that's when we started winning some football games and got back to the playoffs. And then, you know, Kurt left to go to James Madison in 20 after the 2018 season, and um, that's when I took over. I was the defensive coordinator prior to that here, and so, uh, but we lost a bunch of offensive linemen and we lost a bunch of great linebackers. Uh, after the 19 season so there were some rebuilds up front on offense um, and some rebuilds on defense and it, and it took us a year or so to get going again and now we've got some experience up front we're no longer a, a rebuild o-line and we're a developmental program so you know not a lot of transfers four scholarship transfers on our roster so we're doing it different than some other people are um, but hopefully it will be built to last this way recruiting the right high school guys and keeping them.
2: Yeah, that's a, a rather uh, impressive approach in this day and age of the transfer portal, especially it seems like if you're really good one year at the FCS level, all these FBS programs will try and pluck you away. Now you mentioned uh, how few transfers you built this team with, one of them being your quarterback Matthew McKay and he's seemingly mm-hmm. fit right in with this group. FCS fans Around the country, know the type of success he had at Montana State last year. But there were some questions when he hit the transfer portal before the end of the season. How did right. that addition come together for your team? And can you speak to how valuable he's been to your program on and off the field here?
0: Sure. Matt's been very valuable. We'll, we'll start there. Um, the process of getting Matt here, that took a while now. that um, we, were, we took our time. We got to know Matt um you know as you said leaving leaving his team and and entering the portal during the season uh once they made the playoffs at montana state um you know there were a lot of conversations with matt we actually met with matt three times before offering him a scholarship he came and visited us here he's a north carolina kid he's from wakefield So we were familiar with him, you know, started his career at NC state. And, um, you know, we spoke to a lot of people spoke with uh, coach vegan about him spoke with the offensive coordinator out there at Montana state about Matt spoke with uh, coach Doran and his staff at NC state. And um, everybody had great things to say about Matt Um, initially, you know, with his decision to enter the portal during the season uh, we were not excited about that. And, and, and shied away initially, but uh, after you know getting to know Matt and learning more about Matt,
1: then after
0: after getting to know Matt and the subsequent visits with Matt, uh, you know, and and ha- hearing him reflect on that experience. You know we felt like he he would be a good fit for us here and uh, and he really has been he's, he's worked incredibly hard to pick up our offense we he, he got here to Elon literally one day before our first spring practice that's when the grad classes began uh, here for the spring semester for our grad program um, and and he's worked real hard to, to get ready for the season and uh, he's getting better every week
2: last thing for you coach. How incredibly loaded is the Colonial this year? Because I've mentioned it before. It's, it might be my favorite conference in the FCS this year with, with mm-hmm. how how much parity there is and how many teams there are. I really hope nobody gets snubbed that's deserving of a postseason spot when we get there.
0: Right. That's, you know, that's one of the deals in the CAA. You know, we having six teams in the playoffs going back to 2018 um, to then – last year having just two you know and where you know we finished third in the league but six and five wasn't good enough to get us in and rhode island finishes seven and four right behind us with an fbs win but then that wasn't good enough to get them in you know we you know you can end up beating each other up a little bit and you know at this point now we're the largest conference in fcs and you know we'll play eight conference games and Anybody can beat anybody, and it's not always about who you play. It's as much about when you play them. You know who's healthy when you play them. Uh, but every week, you know, you better prepare. The, you know, the, the teams are they're well coached. There's some there's some good players in our league, and uh, it's going to be a battle.
2: That's Elon head football coach Tony Trischiani joining us on FCS Fever. Coach, thanks so much. Good luck this weekend against Towson, and you get yeah, another appreciate home game.
0: appreciate it, Chris. Thanks, Chris.
1: 18 plus. Oh, good stuff
2: from Tony Trischiani as we look elsewhere, recapping Week Five throughout the Football Championship Subdivision. Friday night there was another linear game, and it was a pretty good one. Dartmouth, along with Harvard, the preseason favorites in the Ivy, the Penn Quakers improved to three and zero. They win that game in double overtime, 23-17. Could be some parity out of the Ivy this year. Of course, the Ivy they don't get the Auto bid to the FCS playoffs. That's uh, now the Pioneer Football League. Davidson appears to be the front runner out there. They continue to play well, one of the nation's best offenses. They blanked Butler 31 0 over the weekend. Villanova, after losing to Monmouth, they got back in the win call and went to Maine. Beat them 45 20. Mercer continues to look really good. Wofford, not so much. Wofford is 0 5. Mercer now 4 1. Their lone loss on the road at Auburn, 42 7. Was the final there. Ketisaw State, it's uh, been a tough start to the year for them. They lost to Samford, lost an FBS game, and now lose against the transitioning Jacksonville State. And Rich Rod, they move up to 5-1 and one this season. 35-28, pretty close game there. SEMO is back in the top 25. Southeast Missouri State, 49-28 winners on the road against Division One newcomer Lindenwood over the weekend. Tennessee State, uh, really disappointing. I thought Tennessee State would compete for an OVC title this year, and, and maybe that is not out of the woods just yet, and they'll be able to turn things up a little bit, but they lose to Division Two Lane 28-27 in overtime. Tennessee State is now 0-4. South Dakota State, they rolled 34-10 to over Western Illinois. Still have some questions about South Dakota State's offense. Chattanooga, after they were shut out at Illinois, they bounced back 24-16 at East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State, who could have predicted an 0-3 start in SoCon play? UT Martin is 2-0 in the OVC, 45-28. They beat Tennessee Tech. Look, Stephen F. Austin, they were in a lot of preseason top tens. They lose late in the Battle of the Piney Woods, the last Battle of the Piney Woods, as Sam Houston moves on to Conference USA, at least in the near future. 17-16, 17-16, low-scoring game there. Stephen F. Austin now at 2-3. They're going to play Abilene Christian this week. Their margin for error the rest of the way is razor thin. Hope they enjoyed that 98-point victory a couple of weeks ago. Delaware stays perfect. They beat Towson 24-10. Gardner-Webb, you feel for Gardner-Webb because I think Gardner-Webb's a good football team. They're 1-4 now, but they fought hard again at an FBS. Remember, they almost beat Coastal, and Coastal's undefeated right now. In the FBS. They they hang tough with Marshall. They lose 28 7. Nichols is also winless still. They lose late at Northwestern State, 36 33. Portland State gets their first win of the season, 35 27. Worth noting because I thought it was one of the bigger upsets of the weekend in the FCS. Central Arkansas all over Austin P. Now, P had won four straight. They had that rather miraculous second half revival. At home a week ago against Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas wins its ASUN opener 49-20. Bears are always tough in Conway. This isn't one of their better teams in recent memory, but they beat the brakes off the Governors. We'll see if Scotty Walden's team can bounce back here in short order. Florida A&M gets right 34-7 over Mississippi Valley. And Southeastern, they continue to roll after those back-to-back FBS losses out of the chute. All over, Murray State, 48-14. to There's the music. That's all we have for you this week. I'm Chris Sylvester. You've been listening to the FCS Fever Podcast on the Aaron Torres Media Feed, presented by Betfred Sports. We are back at you Thursday, previewing Week 6 around the FCS.